You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Auburn is not a place, it is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. War Eagle Auburn fans, and welcome back to Auburn Roots. Our journey of exploring and sharing the Auburn stories of your Auburn family members continues here in episode number 12. We are making our way into the top 20 now got a new guest here and i'm very pleased to have him here now we have some interesting connections we love the connection train here on auburn roots uh, i met this gentleman uh when i got to hang out with d ford on one of her few pilgrimages she is uh taken here to the loveliest village on the plains and also uh, i've gotten to know him through his time on a certain radio show in the auburn area so that's kind of where my connection goes with my guest, Mr. Rich Perkins. Rich, how you doing? Kyle, I'm doing great, man. I, I'm just really excited that I cracked the top 20. That's that's pretty impressive. I don't know that I am worthy of the top 20 of anything, um, but uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, so you come on recommendation from several people, uh, but two that are significant to you, which I've already mentioned, that being D Ford. She was number one. And then Jeremy Henderson was number two. So you're 12, one and two, you know, I I didn't, I honestly didn't plan it this way, Rich, but it happened. I don't know if this is serendipity or what it, you know, it's, it's, it's apropos that I should be uh, 10 behind Jeremy. That's, (laughs) that's, uh, that's, that's appropriate. And I know it'll make him happy. So, you know, that's, that's good. And as a reminder, listeners, if you do want to go check out those episodes, as I said, episode one was D Ford, episode two was Jeremy Henderson. You can go back because I'm sure we'll be talking about those two individuals throughout Rich's Auburn story uh, tonight. So, Rich, I like to just, you know, lay back on the couch and talk to me about where your Auburn story begins. Was it at birth you were handed a basketball or a football that was orange and blue, or was it one of those things you were walking down the street and saw? a a sign about Auburn University. How does your connection begin with the Auburn story? Well, you know, Kyle, I I think my story is not unlike a lot of other Auburn people in that it has familial roots. Um, My parents both went to Auburn. My dad was, um, was the first in his family to attend college. And uh, he grew up in Birmingham and entered Auburn University in 1950, 1955, 
Uh, my mom was uh, right behind him in 1956. He graduated in 1959. Um, and so that's, that's the, the, that's kind of the, the impetus of, of my connection. Um, my father sadly passed uh, at a very early age when I was uh, just shy of my fourth birthday. And so growing up, um, all of the things that I had of his, all of the kind of connections, the, um, uh, the accoutrement, the, the, the little trinkets, um, all, almost all of them had something to do with his time at Auburn, uh, whether it was his fraternity pen or it was um, the glomeratas. Um, there are a couple of glomeratas. He was, he, his, um, his major doesn't exist anymore, but he was in a major, he, he got a degree in what's called business art. Uh, he was a bit of an artist um, and so there is one glomerata, I believe his junior year, which would have been, I guess, the 1958 glomerata, where he actually, um, there are some of his um, black and white uh, sketchings that are the beginnings of different sections. And so growing up, um, when I was a, a very young child of six, seven, eight years old, and I was trying to kind of discover who my father was. Um, what I had were these things of his from Auburn, um, his gloms, his fraternity pen, his, um, I had an Auburn baseball cap that had been his uh, for years. And so in my mind, the two became inseparable. It was, you know, my, in my mind, uh, my father and Auburn were um, kind of one and the same. And so, um, and I grew up in Birmingham and then um, at about 11 moved to Atlanta uh, with my, my mother and my stepfather and um, really did not, um, unlike a lot of uh, Auburn fans, I didn't grow up as a, um, an Auburn sports fan. So in other words, we, we didn't go to football games. We didn't really follow Auburn that much. Um, it, it just wasn't a part of uh, kind of our culture. And, um, but it was always that, that aspect um, and that allegiance was always there for me. And so um, when, uh, when I got out of high school, I went into the Navy and I was in the Navy for four years. And when I got out of the Navy, the only place that I had any interest at all in going was Auburn. And, um, and that was 100% because of, because of my father and because of the tie that, that, um, that I had there, you know, one of, one of the, um, one of the few pictures that I have of my parents, um, <laughs> is I guess they had been married a, about a year and my father was in, is in his um, cap and gown. My mother is pregnant with my oldest sister um, who's nine years older than I am and they are standing in front of and you Kyle you'll probably know exactly where this is. There is a white brick house right next to um, what used to be the, the mama Goldberg's on thatch. Mm -hmm. There's a, a white brick house 
And uh, that used to not be painted white. It was a red brick. And I have a picture of them standing in front of that house uh, for basically a graduation photo with my mother pregnant with my oldest sister and my dad in his cap and gown. And so um, those types of uh, physical um, uh, embodiments, if you will, mm -hmm. those, those kind of uh, very tangible reminders that he was there and that we kind of walked this, the same uh, place. We chewed some of the same dirt, if you will. Um, he, so that, that's, that's kind of, that's my Auburn tie. That's, that's what made me an Auburn fan. See, in our first few minutes here, you've, I think, already established what I think is so unique about the Auburn experience or the whole of the Auburn experience, as David Housel would call it. You know, yeah, this this is about sports mainly. You know, it, that's the bread and butter of what this is. That's that's kind of what sure. drives the engine. Uh, but the car doesn't go without the rest of the parts. You can have an engine, but if you don't have wheels to move that engine forward, it doesn't go anywhere. And I think that's what's the perfect imagery of Auburn here is because you've got these ties with your father, but it's not necessarily sports. It's as simple as this one little building where you've got this picture of where the legacy starts in, in, in some sense and that yeah. you can trace it back to and it's still there. Now, I would venture to say your dad probably would have a few things to say about how much Auburn has changed, especially in the last <laughs> couple of years. It feels like every well, day a new condo goes up. You're not wrong. And I will tell you, speaking of, of physical places, um, I have some of the letters that, you know, back in the 50s, you wrote letters um, instead of making phone calls or <laughs> email or, or whatever. And I have some letters that he very faithfully wrote to, um, to my grandparents um, and a couple that he wrote to my, to my mother before she graduated from high school and, and came to Auburn. And the address, I've, I've tried to locate that address and that address doesn't exist anymore because it is basically that address um, used to exist on, and I forget the name of it now, but the street that runs between uh, Anders Bookstore and uh, whatever that uh, whatever that club the bar is. It used to be Sky Bar. It used to be, or Sky no, it's Sky Bar. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it, it is. It is Sky yeah. Bar now. Yeah. So that street that runs right there used to not be there and he lived in a he lived in a in an apartment that was uh that was right there but but you're right there it, it so much has changed um and i think that's one of the reasons why um and and not to go off in, in a rabbit hole but when the whole um uh, tumors oak uh, debacle happened um, and, and those trees were destroyed, that was a really painful episode for me because I know that that was one of kind of the few places that was still around um, that was around when he was there. Now, yeah. they, didn't roll, they didn't roll the oaks back then like, like we do now. That wasn't a thing. But it was, they were these kind of central points to the entrance of campus. And um, and speaking with my mother, I know that that was, uh, that was still a place that people congregated and, and gathered. And um, they, they had um, big 
you know, spirit rallies and pep rallies and things like that um, down there near the Oaks. And so when those, um, you know, when those were poisoned and died, that was, that was a very painful on a, on a kind of a personal level. That was yeah. a painful thing because that was, that was kind of one of those few things that was kind of still around um, that, that, uh, that hadn't been, you know, plowed over and, and put up with uh, uh, condominiums. Yeah. You know, and I think too, when I, I think of the tumors corner area, I, again, I think it's a perfect reminder of what makes Auburn so special because yes, again, we look towards that football stadium over there as kind of a, a beacon and an icon of the campus, but so much happens at the corner of college and Magnolia, not just, you know, celebrating a football victory, but the celebration of a graduation engagements. I know someone who, who got engaged there. I mean, the tumors corner drugstore just across the street. Uh, it's a connection of not just the university, but the university and the community, the city, Right there, it's what makes it so special. And I, I think what you said about that incident was more than just about sports. It was about hitting at the heart of who Auburn was. And I'm thankful to this day that we responded in a way that I thought was as best as you probably could about a, a very bad situation. But it still doesn't take away from the pain that someone like you especially feels when you're trying to find those connections uh, with long-lost family members and just memories of the past. So I, I relate to that on, on a, on a huge level there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of universities kind of have the, uh, the town versus gown, um, uh, animosity where the, 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 the city and the locals and the university are kind of always a little bit at odds. And Auburn has never been like that. There, Auburn has always had a very inclusive and a very, um, again, familial feel between the university and and the town itself, the city of Auburn. And I think the fact that you know one quarter of the downtown is the university. It is the entrance way um, into the university and it's the entranceway into downtown from the university is right there in the middle of the town. And that's kind of symbolic, uh, but it's also very, uh, practical and very real. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think if you talk to, uh, civic leaders like, uh, current mayor Ron Anders and, and others, they would tell you that, you know, that is, that's a very important footprint for, the university and for the town to, to maintain that relationship. Yeah. It's one that it's, it's uniquely Auburn and you know, there are probably other places that have similar feeling about areas on their campus or in their town. Uh, but I, I just don't think that anyone's going to come close to um, equating the story that resides within that simple block right there. That's so special. Let's, yeah. let's jump ahead a little bit though. in your story, uh, I do want us to get to you actually going to Auburn, but I, I always like to ask this, especially for people who've lived in different parts of the United States, but also in the Southeast and their impressions of Auburn during that time out there. You mentioned you lived in Atlanta. That's currently where I reside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, growing up in Atlanta, I know you said you weren't big sports fans in terms of following Auburn mm-hmm. sports, but what was your impressions of Auburn living in, in Atlanta at that time? Um, you know, it's funny. My, my memories, my memories of Auburn were, um, you know, it, well, living where I lived, everything was Georgia and Georgia Tech. Those, <laughs> those two things just, 
you know, I went to high school in the mid eighties. And so Herschel Walker was everything. I mean, Herschel Walker was the end all be all. And I remember when, um, when Bo Jackson came along and, um, it was like Herschel Walker 2.0. It was, uh, it was just this bigger, badder version of, of Herschel Walker. It was kind of the, the Auburn version. And, um, and that was, um, that was kind of, a being in Atlanta, I didn't realize and understand the kind of the magnitude of, of who, um, Bo Jackson was. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't really get it. Um, it, it wasn't really explained to me. It wasn't until, you know, much later, um, that, you know, it was probably in the, probably wasn't until maybe the early nineties that I really understood what an incredible, um, individual Bo Jackson was. And then I began to kind of using that as a, as an entrance point that that's kind of what opened up the door to me of Auburn athletics and getting to understand, um, who Pat Dye was and, um, and then learning, you know, more about, Shug Jordan and um, knowing about Hal Baird and th- that was kind of the, the that was kind of the, uh, the 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 key that unlocked the door for me um, and, and until then I really just I tell you I really didn't have um, I didn't have a real understanding uh, about um, Auburn and didn't really know a whole lot about <laughs> was t- it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I just had no concept of the history of Auburn. I, it wasn't, so, like I said, it, it just wasn't something that we followed as a family. It wasn't something I was really interested in or into. I knew some people that were Auburn fans um, when I was in high school, and uh, they just knew a whole lot more about Auburn than I did. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, and uh, but it, it really wasn't until it really wasn't until um, I guess I was in the Navy and, and about to get out of the Navy in in the early nineties uh, that, that um, Auburn as a sports culture was even a thing for me, yeah. if that makes sense. No, it, it absolutely does. And, and, and speaking of sports cultures, was there ever an opportunity that you might have stepped into another university's world? I mean, you lived in Atlanta Georgia, Georgia Tech, was there ever a school or, or a fan base that almost drew you in away from Auburn? No, I, I, the, the closest I would tell you is I, I have a lot of respect for Georgia Tech um, only because uh, my, my Boy Scout troop <laughs> when I was uh, probably 14, 13 or 14, uh, but my Boy Scout troop one year one football season, uh, our troop was responsible for raising the flag uh, before Georgia Tech football games. And uh, at that time, their flagpole was actually on the field. Um, yeah, it, it, well, on the field. It, it was, you know, in the corner of the end, like not in the end zone, but inside the fence, if but you will. Like on a little the side closer than it probably should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and Georgia Tech was not a big player at that point. And so uh, there was no real, um, uh, it wasn't a big sacrifice to let, you know, a dozen Boy Scout 
kids uh, hang out on the sidelines. But I, I did get to go to a, a number of Georgia Tech home games um, for one year, and this would probably have been like 1983 maybe, mm-hmm. 1983, 84, I'm guessing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got to, got to see that and, and really, really enjoyed it and, and had a lot of fun and, and you know, learned the Georgia Tech fight song and everything because everybody sang it, uh, the Ramble and Rec from Georgia Tech. And, um, so I, I mean, I had that respect, but there was never, I never had to, well, first of all, I had no illusions that I would be smart enough to get into Georgia Tech. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I don't think many of us can say that. I mean, we, that's tough. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a whole other level, but, uh, yeah, I never, I, I, I respected it, but I wasn't, I wouldn't what you would call a fan necessarily. Um, I was really, I, to be frank, I was really more into Braves baseball uh, in in high school, probably than and in my high school, you know, my high school sports. That that was kind of my world at that mm-hmm. point. Um, so no, I I really didn't think about college until I was about halfway through my stint in the Navy, and then um, and then I you know I, I realized that um, that college was something that I wanted to do that I needed to do. And once that decision was made, um, there was no other, I I had zero interest in going anywhere other than Auburn. And that's a common theme I hear from a lot of people that it's, it's one of those things that just clicks in your mind that this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know why that is yet, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And not everybody has that feeling and it takes a while to figure out why you ended up there and why you were meant to be there. But a lot of people have that same experience. And before we move on to that, I do want to again thank you for your service in our military. We, that is very much appreciated. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but I want to make sure I thank you myself here. Uh, and you, you deserved, after your stint there, to come to a great university uh, like Auburn. So let's hear the, the story of how your time began there and walk me through your time as an Auburn student. Um. Well, Auburn was great. You know, uh, coming in after the Navy, I was uh, I was older. Uh, I was a good four years. You know, I was a I was the age of a, of a college senior uh, as a freshman, and so I, I distinctly remember sitting in you know freshman English lit classes with you know seventeen and eighteen year olds, and just at the time, it's kind of funny looking back at it. I was maybe only three or four years older, uh, but I just felt, you know, ancient. I felt so old compared to, uh, um, compared to people uh, in my class. Well, you'd been but, through a few uh, things, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, you're not wrong. I mean, I, that, that's true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was, um, you know, going to Auburn was, um, it was just this, kind of this dream that um, I, I tell people often that, you know, many times in life we uh, have this idea um, or something that we build up to such a level that it could never come close to meeting our expectations. And Auburn is one of the very few things in my life that not only met, but exceeded my expectations. It was everything that I had hoped and dreamed it would be on steroids. I mean, it was just, it was just, um, I, I met some of the best people 
Um, I, I just loved everything about it. Um, I, I really, I mean, I, I just, I can't say enough good things. I, I, um, I lived in a small, tiny apartment off campus right across from what was the Dairy Queen and is now Byron Smokehouse. <laughs> but, but um, it was the Day Ray Queen when I was there, baby. It was, uh, that's right. Um, so, um, yeah, it, uh, but yeah, I lived off, lived off of campus and, um, and it was, it was just, it was fantastic. Uh, I met some really good people and um, the first job that I had after the Navy was at, at Ryan's Tavern, mm-hmm. um, right across from, uh, the, where the Honda dealership is and, and countries barbecue and, uh, Ryan's Tavern, uh, you know, where I waited tables and bartended and, and all of those people went to Auburn. And so it was just this whole, um, community, this whole family that I was immediately welcomed into. And it was, uh, it was incredible. It was, it was, like I said, it was everything I'd, I'd hoped it would be and more. You and I both spent some time along Opelika road. I, I didn't live too far from where you were. Again, things probably changed a little bit between, between the time I was living in that vicinity and you were, uh, but yeah, you know, I always rode by that Byron smokehouse. And I was like, gosh, that had to have been a dairy queen at some point. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, it was. it was definitely a dairy queen without question. Did you yeah. frequent that dairy queen a lot? You know, um, I, I, I remember going there, but not a ton only because like if, if I was going to have dessert, I was going to Sandy freeze because Sandy freeze was still open, you know? So, um, dairy queen was kind of the, that was the, uh, that was the low rent Sandy freeze. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, uh, that was the corporate Sandy freeze and we didn't do corporate. We wanted our own place, you know? Um, so yeah, I was, I was, if I did dessert like ice cream like that, I was either going to the Baskin Robbins downtown, um, or the Sandy Freeze. That, those were my two, uh, ice cream spots. So living off campus, you know, do you ever think that you missed out on something by not having that traditional dorm life? Like I obviously, like, as I mentioned, I was in an apartment off campus my entire time until my last two years where I was I might as well have been on campus because I was living above a building, taking care of the building that was neither here nor there at this moment. So in that way, I kind of rationalized myself that I had some type of dorm experience, even though it wasn't traditional. But do you, do you feel like you ever regretted or not having that or? Um, Not really. And that's only because, um, you know, I just gotten out of the Navy where I was living in very tight living (laughs) conditions with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with 30 other guys, I was living in a, probably a, a 300 square foot living space with, you know, probably 30 other guys. And mm. so, you know, sharing a bathroom and, and it, so no, I, I, I mean, I, there are experiences that some of my friends have had that they relate and I can appreciate, mm-hmm. uh, about living in a dorm and dorm life, but, you know, I, I can't say that that's something that I feel like I missed out on. I, I, I kind of, I kind of got my fill of, uh, of that kind of life, you know, um, 
when I was in the Navy. So I was very happy to have my own living space. <laughs> I can imagine uh, the, the smell alone of 30 men smashed together. I can... Uh... <laughs> Not pretty. It's yeah, not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I would say dorm life probably comes in the vicinity of, but nowhere near that type of situation <laughs> that you were in. So I'm sure right. that you were happy to live uh, somewhere where you could have a little bit of a, we'll call it a buffer, uh, somewhere yeah, that you yeah. can still be part of the university. But in a way, maybe that's the great thing here is that you got to explore the community even more and, and kind of learn a little like, you, you know, we reference things like Byron Smokehouse, the tavern that you worked at, Opelika yeah. Road. You know, these are some things in the community that are just like mainstays things around it will change, but we can remember those people, those moments, those, those things that we were involved in around that time while we were at college. So while you're there, uh, what are you studying and and what do you eventually graduate with? Uh, Well, I began with radio, television, and film. That was my, uh, that was my starting point. And then um, I took about almost three years off in the middle and um, moved to LaGrange because my wife at the time had gotten a job teaching in LaGrange um, because she'd been going to school while I was in the Navy. And so we moved to LaGrange for her teaching uh, career. And so I kind of put a pause on my, um, on my education. And then when I came back to finish my degree, um, we moved back to Auburn, actually, rented a house in Opelika and I commuted in because it was cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I came back um, just for a host of reasons, primarily because it because it was an an easier major, I'm embarrassed (laughs) to say, but, but uh, part of it, part of it was, it was an easier major. Part of it was um, uh, this was in the now in the mid nineties. And um, I was just, I was a political junkie. I was just a political geek. I was watching C-SPAN all the time and it was ridiculous. But uh, so I decided when I came back that I would do political science and I'd be a political science major. So that's what my actual degree is, is uh, political science. Interesting. That's, that's quite a bit of a, yeah. a shift. Uh, it, from... it's, it's, they're both, they're both in liberal arts and that's about all you could say about them. Um, but, uh, but I, I loved political. I, I loved RTVF. Um, RTVF was was uh, had some really great classes. A, one really good class that has really stuck with me. And then, um, but I, I loved political science. Political science was uh, was right up my alley and uh, really enjoyed it. It was not a particular struggle um, at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, the classes were. Um, uh, again, it was just, it was something I really enjoyed. So, yeah, that's the, I think that's the catch there. And no matter if it's at Auburn or at university anywhere, you, you got to find what your passion is because then it doesn't yeah. become so much of a, a chore. You're actually enjoying what you're being involved in, what you're learning about. And I think that's, that's great that you, you found an area to get into Auburn and, and start out, but you kind of made some adjustments, some life adjustments, and then kind of readjusted yeah. your focus down a career path. And you're toting a degree from the greatest university in the entire world uh, exactly at, at the end right. of this. <laughs> so exactly that's, right. that's all that matters at the end of this thing. That's right. That's tell, me right. About, tell me about sports during your time in the 90s in Auburn. Your experiences, it, it, what, what's that like? Just paint that picture for me. You know, one of the, the things that 
um, that I remember, first of all, um, gosh, it was so much easier to get into a football game <laughs> than, than, it, than it is now if you're a student. Um, if you were a student, you could pretty much just kind of waltz in. It was, the security was very lackadaisical, um, and the demand was not quite as high at the time. Um, the other thing that I remember outside of, uh, outside of football one of the other things that I, that I remember is um, before – so I was there before the renovation of, of the baseball facilities. Mm-hmm. And so I remember in the spring um, getting out of class and having a couple hours before I had to get to work. And I remember going and sitting on the, the metal bleachers, which are now part of the soccer complex – that's where those bleachers ended up. Um, they're now uh, at the soccer field. But I remember going and sitting on those metal bleachers and watching Auburn baseball. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about the teams specifically. I just remember I remember that atmosphere. I remember yeah. that you could, um, you know, it, it would very often be like the middle of the second inning. And so – they weren't worried about tickets. You know, it's like a, you know, like a, a Thursday, uh, Wednesday, or right. I guess like a t- Tuesday game or something like that. And um, Tuesday or Wednesday game. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, you stroll in in the second inning and they don't care. You know, nobody cared. And I would just go and sit and, you know, eat sunflower seeds and bold peanuts and, and watch three or four innings and then leave. I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't tell you who the players were. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I know that, I know that coach Baird was the, was the coach at the time. And um, so that, those are my, that's kind of my main memory um, until the, until you got to the Tuberville years and mm-hmm. then the Tuberville years, which I mean, I, I was actually in school, I guess, with uh, Terry Bowden mm. Um and I remember my funny story about Terry Bowden is being at De Nero's downtown, which is where um, it, it's now Bourbon Street, but it used to be De Nero's. And the top two floors were an Italian, a very nice Italian restaurant. And the bottom floor was a bar with a stage. And um, Terry Bowden was kind of known for, <laughs> for uh, frequenting some of these places and somewhere in a stack of something in a box somewhere, I've got a paper Dinero's menu with Terry Bowden's <laughs> autograph on it <laughs> because he would come and get up on stage and sing karaoke at Dinero's. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. It just like some, like on a random Thursday, you know, um, a lot of things that, are happening on Thursdays in Auburn back in your yeah, time. <laughs> they they really were. I'm telling you, Thursday was the that was the day, man. Stuff was happening. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's what I that's what I remember about um, uh, sports was was the whole Bowden era and how that that kind of all happened with um, you know all of the there was all the scandal and then there was. Bowden and um, Bowden was good for a while until he wasn't mm-hmm. uh, good anymore. And then, um, and then when, when Tuberville came, there was a lot of um, questions, you know, there was the, there was the, it, 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 it was a little unseemly 
it felt a little unseemly for um, for a lot of Auburn fans, at least the ones that I was hanging around with, uh, to have somebody that um, had been so definitive as he had about his love for his current job to then flip a switch and all of a sudden he's at Auburn. And so there was a little bit of hesitation about jumping on the Tupperville bandwagon. Um, of course, he beat uh, Alabama and Georgia, and all that went away, and we loved him immediately. That, it, it really didn't take long at all. <laughs> you know? um, so that, that's, that's kinda, that, was, uh, that was kind of my memory. Um, you know, when I was in school, Stan White was the, was the quarterback. He and I had classes together and, um, for, the, for the first part that I was in school. And then when I came back, Gosh, I'm trying to remember who was. Uh, I would have been like Ben Leard. Would that that sound about right? No. Yeah, ninety. So like uh, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember because I remember the whole Ben Leard, Gabe Gross thing. Was, uh-huh. uh, that was a that was a big shocker because Gabe Gross was kind of the heir apparent, and he was going to be the guy, and then he was like, "Nope, baseball." And everybody went, what? It's like, yep, I'm baseball. Y'all have fun. And, it worked uh, out for him. <laughs> it worked out really well for him. It worked out really well for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I remember that. And then, and then later, you know, after I, had, uh, after I was no longer a student, then it was um, – I, I think everybody kind of has, like, their – the quarterback that, that they – identify with the most Mm -hmm. and for me it was my my love for Auburn football really solidified with Jason Campbell Mm -hmm. it was really the Jason Campbell era Um, and that's now we're getting into the the 2000s Um, so I'd I'd been out of school for I graduated in 98 so I'd been out of school for you know five or six years uh, when, when at least four or five years when Jason kind of came into his own, but mm-hmm. I was always a huge Jason Campbell fan. And, and to this day, I am mean, just not only as a quarterback, but it's just a tremendous man. Um, so that's, there are, there are a couple of years in there when, um, when I wasn't in school and was focused on trying to just grind for a paycheck and sports kind of took a back seat, And then, wasn't really until I came back and got into radio mm-hmm. that that Auburn sports took on um, kind of the importance in my life that it did. And I think that's where this needs to head is you and Jeremy Henderson eventually coming together and working yeah. in radio together. And uh, so how does that come about? And, you know, who, who got the better yeah. end of the deal on that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can, I can promise you, I got the better end of the deal because I got to, I got to hang out with Jeremy Henderson and he's brilliant and hysterical. And, and um, I'm just a schmuck that tells stupid jokes, but uh, he's uh Jeremy Henderson is without qualification, one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. He's the man is just incredibly, incredibly smart, um, genius level intelligence, uh, wicked sense of humor, really fast, very subtle. One of the most talented writers you'll ever meet. 
um, I, it, uh, I count it an eternal blessing that I can uh, call him a friend um, and, and former coworker. Uh, that, that whole thing, the, the, well, the genesis of all that really began with me working with um, Andy Bircham as a, uh, I was a board operator, studio engineer for Andy Bircham and Bill Cameron on Sports Call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would have been 2000, 2002, I guess, 2001, two, I guess this would have been 2002, September, like, like fall of 2002. And um, so Andy and Bill and I worked together in radio. They had sports call and I was the, the, uh, I was the producer, I guess you would call it the studio engineer. And I did that for a number of years. And then um, Andy moved to a, a different station and to a different group. And after a couple of years, I was able to kind of follow behind him um, to, to, the same, uh, to the same station and the same group. And he's always kind of been a mentor of mine. And so um, when I came when I got hired by the uh, the Auburn Network Incorporated on uh, ESPN 106.7, it was to start a two-hour sports call-in show, mm-hmm. uh, which was something I'd never done before. I had no history in it at all other than being a producer of a show like that, but I'd never actually done it. Um, I, I felt totally, um, uh, what's the right word? I just didn't feel like I had the the breadth and the depth of knowledge to be able to to carry a show like that. Um, and fortunately, my my co-host Ron Anders, who had been a cheerleader at Auburn and has lived in Auburn his entire life, and can tell you who played fullback in 1978 wow. and the third game of the season and who we played and what the final score. He just has that encyclopedic kind of Wikipedia mind. Um, he can tell you all of those things. He just remembers all of it. Um, and so he was my co-host, but we had, um, because of his job, we had basically one hour a week where he couldn't be on the show. He was, he was a, he wasn't a full-time employee of the station. I, I was a full-time employee. Um, he had his own full-time gig and he would come in in the afternoon and do the show with me. Well, there was one hour a week that he couldn't be there. And I can't remember what it was. It had something to do with his job. And so for a little while I would just cover and I would just fill by myself, which you can imagine the train wreck that was. Um, That's and, a, it's just a, it's not a, I wouldn't imagine it's a train wreck. I just, the anxiety is filling me right now trying to fit, picture how right. you manage that. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you've done a podcast, you've been doing these podcasts, <laughs> so you know how important it is to have somebody to bounce things off of. And, um, you know, I've, I've, unfortunately I've, I've, I've done, um, good Lord. I remember doing a show where we lost all of our, we lost our, all of our, uh, um, automation system. And so we basically, if we turned the microphones off, it was dead air. And so we couldn't take phone calls. 
and I was by myself. And so I talked for two hours. It was insane. It was just insane. It was probably the worst two hours in the history of, I mean, Marconi should like have sued me for <laughs> being on the radio like that. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. We had this one hour uh, where my co-host couldn't be there, but he somehow knew. We had had Jeremy in as a guest for one particular topic, and I can't remember what it was, um, but Jeremy had come in to do one 15-minute segment, and I'd never met him before, and immediately he and I got along just fantastic, and that 15-minute segment turned into two segments. So he was on for a total of, you know, 30 minutes. So it was basically, hey, can you stay through the break? He's like, yeah, I can stay through the break. So um, that turned into 30 minutes. And then I was like, hey, man, I'd love to have you back sometime. He's like, yeah, whatever, you know, sure, whenever you want to have me or whatever. And, um, and so I had him back a couple of weeks later uh, to talk about something else. And then this – I realized that I was going to have this one hour a week that was going to be vacant. It was going to be open that I was going to be by myself. And so I went to Jeremy and said, Hey, you know, it would be fun if you and I just hung out and let's make it a segment. We'll make it a one hour segment once a week and uh, we'll make it a thing. And you, whatever kind of crazy ideas, cause he was, putting all this stuff out on the Warrior Reader Mm -hmm. that was just this incredible stuff. And a lot of my, uh, I'll be honest with you, Kyle, a lot of my um, Auburn knowledge and education, a ton of that came from reading the Warrior Reader. He just had so much history uh, that had been meticulously researched. And um, he was so entertaining in his writing style and he knew so much. And, um, and just had such a great attitude. I mean, he's just so wickedly funny. And um, so he and I just really hit it off. And so we came up with this segment called It's Pronounced Jordan. And, um, and It's Pronounced Jordan, which is um, 
we stole that name or I stole that name from one of his, one of his t-shirt designs because he had, uh, the Wordle reader had come up with a t-shirt that says it's pronounced Jordan, which is ironic, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, spelled Jordan, but it's pronounced Jordan. Um, so we came up with this, uh, this, this idea that we would have this one hour a week called it's pronounced Jordan. And that turned into one day a week. So we had one whole day for two hours. It was, it was Jeremy and I, and then um, we did that for probably, gosh, maybe two and a half, three years Mm -hmm. and uh, ownership and management of the station that we were at uh, came to us and said, we'd like to have a morning show on our FM classic hit station. And we would like for you guys to basically take what you have with it's pronounced Jordan and kind of translate that into a, a morning drive show. Mm-hmm. And so that's how, that's how Rich and Jeremy happened. And um, how many years did you two uh, stay together doing that? Uh, Rich and Jeremy was four, I guess, four and a half years. Okay. Um, I think that's right. Four and a half years. Um, and I'm, like I said, I, I've, consider it a profound blessing to, to call him a friend. And, and, you know, you, you spend um, four hours first thing in the morning with somebody, your defenses are down. You kind of, you see people at their most raw and uh, before all the coffee is kicked in and before you've had breakfast and, you know, you're tired and you're dealing with, family issues and life and all of that stuff. And, um, and because of that, uh, we got to be very, very close. And um, I, I just consider him one of my best friends. He's just a tremendous guy. I can only imagine the conversations that happened when you guys weren't on the air in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we, we used to joke that if, if we could have like a premium channel for subscribers <laughs> only, that you got to listen to when the when the microphones were off uh you know we we joked that we would make a gazillion dollars and then be immediately kicked off the air (laughs) that's how that would happen that's Um, how i figured that might go but hey it would have been successful for that short stint that was there (laughs) it it would have been fun that's for sure um but yeah we we had gosh we had so much fun so much fun and I got to imagine one of the highlights of your time together, uh, besides just the many mornings that you spent together, just going off about everything in sports in Auburn, was when a certain lady from the British Isles decided to surprise you guys live on the oh, air. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I think a lot of us knew that was, I actually knew that was coming, and I was interested to see what the reaction was going to be that day. Shock. Um, and, yes. Shock was, shock was the, uh, yeah, we never saw that coming at all. Um, neither one of us. So what we're referencing for listeners, if we haven't said it already is D Ford, uh, came on her, I think it was her first pilgrimage to Auburn and, uh, or was it the second one? I can't remember. I think I can't remember if it was her first or her second now that she surprised us. I want to say that she had been there before, um, briefly. And I don't know that I had even, I don't think I'd gotten to meet her. If Uh she'd been there before I hadn't met her, I don't think. Um, but we had, we had initially, of course, Jeremy is just king of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So when he found out that there was 
you know, he was the one that kind of led with this whole story and broke this whole story about this, uh, this woman that had, you know, a very similar Twitter handle to um, D Ford, the Auburn football player. Um, he jumped right on that. Mm-hmm. And it was really, I, I really attribute a lot of what happened with uh, Jay Jacobs uh, reaching out to D and, and all of that. I attribute a lot of that to, um, to Jeremy really kind of taking that ball and running with it and, um, and making it a thing um, that was well known. And, um, so we, we had had her, I think we Skyped her in onto the show a couple of times, um, just almost as a, just like a gimmick, you know, wouldn't this funny, you know, what do you, you know, are you, are you, are you having tea right now with, you know, are you going to, are you going to play some soccer? Are you going to, you know, like all this stereotypical, you know, um, but uh, D is so great. She totally bought into um, the culture and we quickly realized it's interesting um, very often. And I'm sure you've seen this Kyle very often. You know, we all think that Auburn is a very special place. Um, made up of very special people but we also kind of realize that we're biased and we live in a bubble and all of that and so when you see that those things kind of affirmed by people who are as totally disconnected from our culture as d ford is Mm -hmm. but she she picked up on the auburn family and she understood intuitively kind of who we were as a people mm-hmm. and um, and was totally drawn into that. And that's kind of, that's affirming, you know, for us yeah. Auburn, Auburn fans and for us Auburn people, for the Auburn family, it kind of affirms what we know and believe, but to see other people get that mm-hmm. um, is, is very affirming. So uh so yeah, we had had her on the show a couple of times. We had talked to her, you know, we'd Skyped her in on the program. And, um, and I think she had been in once, uh, for something, but yeah, when she came in and surprised us in the studio, neither one of us had any idea at all that she was coming. And it was, I've only been, I think I've only been surprised, legitimately surprised on the air like live on the air twice. That was one of them. Um, and then the other one was when my sister showed up for my 50th birthday. Like those are the only two times that I've ever been completely a hundred percent surprised on the air. Like never saw that coming at all. Um, very bizarre to have Todd Van Amps stick his camera in, <laughs> in, in the door and start taking pictures. And you can't, you're like, why are you taking pictures? And then you see there's somebody behind him. You're like, who is that behind? Why are the, what, who? <laughs> Holy crap. Um, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And I think the, the cool thing about D Ford's story, and, and you touched on a lot of those elements there, is, is that it's so unique, but so Auburn at the same time. Because we, we talk about the Auburn family. We, we use this big, term of family out there and and it feels like that's something that anybody can use 
but you don't know what it means unless you actually, and this is really redundant, but you know what it means. And D knows what that means. And and the phrase that I've been using that since we've been doing this podcast series and kind of, I think it speaks to what you and I are kind of touching on here is, you know, Auburn actually isn't a place. Auburn is a people. And I think the true testament to that is D Ford because yeah, who, who in their wildest dreams thinks that Auburn reaches out to the British Isles and, and draws in many people. I'm sure they're out there. I know, I know of a few, but you know, to yeah. that level and, and makes her take a, I, I keep using the phrase pilgrimage to Auburn as often as she possibly can. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a story that's uniquely Auburn. I don't, I don't think happens in any other university yeah. or any other fan base. Well, you know, I, I've often said that, um, when you look at the difference between Auburn and other schools, especially other big state schools, like that other school on the other end of the state mm-hmm. or Ohio state or university of Michigan or any of the big schools that have the name of their state and their school name. Um, you don't end up at Auburn by accident. Auburn isn't a default. It's not a fallback. Auburn is a decision. Like that's something that you're drawn to and you come there because it is, it calls to you for some reason. It, it connects with you for some reason. It's not, well, I don't know where else I'm going to go. I grew up in Georgia. I've got the, you know, hope scholarship. So I guess I'll go to Georgia. It's not like that. You don't just show up. You just you don't just end up at Auburn. You go to Auburn because it's a very intentional decision. And that, I think, breeds a certain type of mentality and a certain type of culture. And I think that's what people see. I think that's what kind of makes the Auburn family because we all have experienced that on some level and that separates us from so many other universities and so many other, um, so many other cultures. And, and so I think, I think people like D who have not experienced that for, for whatever reason in their own lives see that and it's attractive. That's something that's attractive. Um, and, and that's something that I think, uh, a lot of people want to be a part of, and she's a testament to that. And I think if I can tie that back, even into your story of you talking about that, something that just draws you to it, that you, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not a, a default. So there has to be a reason that you connect with it on some level. And we trace this back through your story to your dad. And though yeah. you may have lost him at such a young age, there was something about, these pictures that he took Mm -hmm. these stories that he may you may have known about him during this time that he was there you wanted to investigate it and it starts the the wave the cycle of things that you eventually find your way even though you go up to atlanta you may may have had a little bit of a you know a flirtation with some georgia schools just for a moment (laughs) a dalliance a dalliance (laughs) (laughs) but somehow some way you end up in the orange and blue and uh here you are at the at the current place and you know just maybe briefly can you give us like where you are now in your life and, and sure. your fandom and then I, I want to give you a, a chance to answer the not so rapid fire rapid fire questions yeah um uh i guess about uh almost exactly a year ago i uh retired from radio and have answered a call to enter seminary 
So I'm currently in seminary right now to become a Catholic priest. And I've got, um, I just finished my first year, which was a bit of a culture shock, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um, uh, I've got five more years to go and good Lord willing and my archbishop and not necessarily in that order as the archbishop is quick to remind me, uh, <laughs> I, will, I will be ordained as a Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Mobile, of which Auburn is a part. Uh, Auburn is the, uh, the, the, I like to call it the northernmost outpost of the Archdiocese of Mobile. Uh, the Archdiocese of Mobile is a southern 28 counties, and it kind of runs a line yeah. from Mobile, I mean, from uh, Auburn over to, uh, to Selma. And, um, so that's kind of where I am. And, uh, I will tell you, there are, uh, probably a good five or six guys in my seminary that are huge Auburn fans. Um, last year we just had the uh, most unbelievable time during March madness and, um, watching all that happen. And of course we got robbed of it this year, but, Mm -hmm. Uh, last football season was fantastic. There are a couple of Alabama guys in the school too. So it's always nice, you know, when, uh, Say what, a few extra prayers for them, you know, yeah. what, what's, uh, uh, what's fun is that, uh, um, things like sports fandom, uh, doesn't go away. Um, it, it maybe takes on a, a different level of import or relevance, but, it's uh it's good natured distraction and we have our we have our little uh we have our little competitive fan bases going so i can only imagine just such a you know a, an even closer knit community there that you i'm sure in, in in part of right now uh the uh the one upmanship is probably on a different level you, you know it's more is Very it more subtle so. or is it just more more deadly <laughs> it's sometimes both sometimes both i'm not gonna lie um sometimes it can be it can be moments of grace and sometimes it's moments to ask for forgiveness you know you just it just depends on how you let your emotions get to you you know yeah you can you can take the student out of the college but you can't take college out of the student sometimes so Uh, listen auburn is uh auburn is always there auburn is always there all right. Well, I think that's a great place here to kind of begin our wrap up. And we always like to do this with our guests. Not so rapid fire, rapid fire questions. I changed it because of, I think actually Jeremy made me change this because he wanted to explain each one of his answers and why he did it, which I loved every bit of it. And so that's of why course, I kind of altered Of course this. he changed it. <laughs> of course he changed it. Yeah, it was. That makes, makes perfect sense. He is a he is a trailblazer in many fashions. I just didn't think he'd be trailblazing on my podcast, but here you are. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're ready, we'll get started with sure. it. All right. All right these go. are twelve questions, uh, and feel free to explain yourself if you need to. But number, gotcha. question, question number one: orange or blue? Blue. Blue. Any re- any reason why? Um, it goes with more things. It's, it's a very simple answer, but it's a very true answer, and I, I love it. Not, not anybody's given that type of answer for the colors yet, and so I always it's like good. to ask. It, it goes with more things. Yep. Question number two: Obby or War Eagle? Ooh, Obby. Now I love War Eagle. Don't get me wrong; the Eagle is unbelievable. It's incredible. But I will never be too old to be enthralled and thrilled by how cool and awesome Aubie is. What is it about Aubie? Everyone says I that. I don't know. 
Avi is just cool. And, and I know it's kind of nerdy and geeky or whatever, but he's still just freaking cool. And I know all the stories about, you know, the fact that there's like three Albies in any given season. Spoiler alert. But wait, you what? Know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I'll get, can I give you a quick sidebar? This is of me course. explaining what am I, all right, quick sidebar. I'm at, um, I'm at the baseball facilities. I'm up at the press box at the baseball field. And these two guys are, they, they get off the elevator. I'm going down to get a hot dog. Um, actually I'm going down to get a hot dog for Rod Bramblin. And I, the elevator opens, these two guys come out and one of them's carrying a big duffel bag. They walk out of the elevator across the hall directly into a bathroom. Now it's a one, it's a one holer. It's a one stall bathroom. Mm-hmm. So they both go in and shut the door. I get in the elevator, the doors close. I don't really think a whole lot about it. I go down, I get the hot dogs. I come back up, the elevator door opens just as the bathroom door opens and one guy and Aubie step out. And it was like, it was like seeing Clark Kent walk into the phone booth and Superman come out. I felt like, are they going to kill me now? Am I going to end up getting shivved because I know the secret <laughs> that one of those two guys was Aubie? Um, I don't know what it is. Aubie's just cool. I mean, the kids love him. Chicks dig him. Guys totally, you know, have fun with him. So I, I'm Aubie. You know, the, the minions of Albi is a real group. I've said that. And, and many people who uh, have been on this show have uh, chosen War Eagle. And I, I, I commend their bravery, but they are on the hit list for the minions of Albi. And you are not on that. So there you are. Excellent. Excellent. Question number three. This is, I, I got to figure out a way to rephrase this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I think there's only one okay. answer. Uh, Auburn fight song or glory, glory to all Auburn. Oh, fight song. I keep yeah, hoping someone's so. going to choose glory, glory to all Auburn for me, but it's, it's hard to beat that fight song. Yeah. Well, it's the only time that you, you know, like um, it was the first time I could curse in front of my parents and not get in trouble. <laughs> I mean, that's, you, it's, it's as simple as that, Kyle. You're I mean, absolutely right. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, it, that's literally what it was. It was the first time I could legitimately curse in front of my parents and not get in trouble. Mm. It's, you know, <laughs> and, and, and conversely, the first time that I allow my child to, con- to curse in front of me without him getting in trouble, <laughs> so. you get, you get one thing and that's it. It's this, that's it. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> Question number four, your favorite Auburn athletics program. Oh gosh. Oof. That's, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. That's so hard because as you know, as Pat Dye so eloquently put it, uh, Alabama fans love Alabama football and Auburn fans love Auburn. Um, oh gosh. Well, if you want to look at just pure excellence and dominance, it's hard to go anywhere other than Greg Williams and Auburn equestrian. Amen. I mean, you want to just talk about pure dominance started from scratch with nothing and has become I, I'm, I've lost track of how many national championships they've they've won in a row. Whatever a, it is, they're down one because they should be ha- have another one if it wasn't for coronavirus. It's exactly right. They've got eleven bajillion of them. Um, so I'm a I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know the the big three are are I always enjoy the big three. Um, but uh, for 
excellence, for entertainment value, for bang for your buck. Um, equestrian and gymnastics are probably two of my favorites. Plus, I just those two coaches I know better than mm-hmm. most of the other coaches, and I just have so much respect for both of those men as as mm-hmm. just as men. So, They're very very accessible people, from what I, I very, personally experienced, and it's it's very, very nice so. to have that. Um, yep. But yep. I had to push you though to make yeah. you know, make one of them upset. Who would you choose? Oh, I, I'd go equestrian. Equestrian. Okay. okay. I go. I go equestrian. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, then, question number five would be your favorite Auburn athlete. <sighs> it's only going to get harder. Oh man, it's only going to get harder. I think Come Jeremy on. was ready to ready to just run out of here by the time he got done with this. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I, we mentioned him earlier. Um, I have so much respect for Gabe Gross. Gabe Gross is just, um, Jason Campbell might be a short, a very close second. Mm-hmm. Um, the Auburn has such a rich history of just really amazing athletes, both men and women. Um, but I, and part of it's just because I, I've gotten to know Gabe a little bit um, professionally and personally, and um, just the the person that he is, the family man that he is, the man of faith that he is, the consummate professional. He's very humble. Um, you know, here's a guy that um, you know really could do just about anything in the world, and he called high school football for you know, for two years. Mm-hmm. And he did it because he wanted to get better at broadcasting and he wanted to kind of pay his dues in broadcasting. And so he called high school football for two years and, um, and it paid off and he would come to little schmucks like me and, and, you know, after a broadcast and say, Hey, I want your input. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to change. You know, he's just very, very humble, hardworking, salter of the earth guy, an Auburn man through and through. And that's the biggest compliment I can give him. That's a great selection. Not one that we've had yet. And I'm so happy that you've, you've had that connection there. And he's one that's really resonated with you. Question six though, your Uh, favorite Auburn coach. Oh, wow. Hmm. Living. (laughs) <laughs> any Auburn coach oh boy mm. got a lot of respect for Donahue um it's hard to pick well no all right I was gonna go Shug Jordan because he's a decorated World War II veteran that defeated the Nazi on um on the beaches of Normandy and it's hard to go against that but I, I will tell you this it probably comes down between Sonny Smith and Hal Baird Mm. Um, two of the most genuine, amazing, not only just good men, great coaches, very generous people. Um, I just have so much respect for both of them. Um, it's hard for me to separate. Um, I'd probably, if a gun was stuck to my head, I'd, I'd probably, um, I'd apologize to Sonny Smith and pick Hal Baird. Is probably what I would do. Those are two very good choices because, you know, the thing that sticks out to me is the way that his former um, athletes speak of Hal Baird. And I think you yeah. can say that for a lot of coaches. Uh, but I agree. I think that speaks to how special he is as a coach. And same thing for Sonny Smith. Uh, yeah. The way that Charles, you know, I, I interviewed 
um, Sonny's daughter in a previous episode and the way mm-hmm. their family speaks about Charles and the way Charles speaks about them and the relationship they have, I think speaks to that, why they're so important, not just to Auburn, yeah. but to their players. Yeah. Agree. Question seven, your favorite non-athletics Auburn person. So just a little bit of clarification here. This can be like a celebrity. It can be a family member, anyone that is not a coach, an athlete, somehow related directly to sports. Who's your favorite Auburn person? Mm, Wow. It's a tough one too. I told you it was going to get harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Favorite Auburn person. Um, Wow. That's really, really tough. I mean, it's, um, it's when you open up outside of athletics, it just the the spectrum gets so wide, and then it's how do you hone down to that? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a um, I'm gonna give you a, this is gonna be bending the rules, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call privilege and bend the rules a little bit. I can do that. I'm, I'm gonna give you a category. Um, and this, and I say this because I brag about this all the time. I don't know if it's still true, but at the height of the space race, there were more Auburn graduates involved in the NASA lunar program to land a man on Mm -hmm. the moon than any other single university. So from astronaut to engineer, from working at NASA to working at one of the suppliers like McDonnell Douglas or um, some of these other companies that provided uh, computers or rocket boosters or whatever. There were more Auburn graduates involved in the space race than any other single university. And I've always taken great pride in that. Ken Mattingly is kind of the poster child for that because he was an astronaut. Um, but there are hundreds of engineers that were, that graduated from Auburn that, uh, were heavily involved in putting man on the moon and, and beyond into the, the, the shuttle and the space station and all of that. And so, um, those are, um, those are some of the men and women that I take the most pride in when I think about Auburn people that are not affiliated with sports. It's one thing to talk about how revered Auburn engineers are in general and and that type of uh, student that comes out of Auburn. But when you talk about the space program and the significant impact that they've had on them, it's, it's hard to really ignore that, you know, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I will accept your point of privilege and and allow that. Thank you. Thank you. Question eight, your favorite Auburn building. Oh, um, you know, I've spent almost all of my academic career in Haley Center and hated it, so I'm going to scratch that one. Um, Some people to this day are still lost in there. Oh, it's just horrific. It's so bad. Uh, that one and Parker are just so bad. Oh, they're just terrible. Um, um, let's see, my favorite. You know, um, oh, gosh, what's the what's – the, uh, Right next to Sanford is the small little auditorium building. Langdon Hall. Langdon Hall. That's got the the seal right in front of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a soft spot in my heart for Langdon. um, Only because they used to show um, free movies in there a hundred years ago. They would show free movies like every 
it was probably a Thursday. Right. <laughs> um, but they would, of course, they everything would show, was during that time. <laughs> everything was Thursday. Um, but they would show movies, free movies once a week. And, um, and I got to, uh, like announce the movies a couple of times. And so I don't know, for some reason, I've, d- I just kind of got a bit of a soft spot, um, for Langdon hall. I know it's kind of a nondescript whatever building, but, uh, but for some reason I've always, I've always liked it. I think you'd be surprised how many people agree with you and how many okay. people have never stepped foot in it. And it still means something to them. Uh, cause it's interesting. It's, again, it's, uniquely Auburn and there's something yeah. about that particular area that gets overlooked yeah. sometimes by Sanford Hall. Yeah, that's true. Number nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat. Oof. 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 Um I mean it's hard not to go Niffers because it's so uniquely Auburn. Um and they've got everything. Have, um I'm hungry right now just thinking about their menu. I know it. I know it. Um who couldn't go for a big old turkey whatever um or just stop it right now (laughs) i just want a fishbowl right now that's all i want um uh yeah those the niffers just brings back so many memories the original mama goldbergs um you know right there on campus uh obviously was was huge back in the day um i have to tell you I, i mean i know it's not indigenous to auburn although it was the first one outside of atlanta um i'm i'm just a huge mellow mushroom fan and that mellow mushroom feels unique to auburn even mm-hmm. though you can go to mellow mushrooms all over the country now uh for some reason that one it doesn't feel like it's it feels like it's a like it's a local place you know it doesn't feel um like it's part of a chain Absolutely. so um i kind of have a I've kind of got a, a spot for that, but um, if I had to pick, like, if I had to pick, like, one place, God, Niffers just has a menu that doesn't quit. It's just the menu is just monstrous. Um, so I'd probably go Niffers. I'd probably how go they Niffers. maintain that, I have no clue. Uh, but I I, no whatever idea. they're doing, you just keep trucking on Niffers, and I, would I don't know. Keeley's Keeley's had the same size kitchen in that place for like 25 years. I have no idea how they keep pumping out more and more stuff. It's unbelievable. Just keep doing that thing you're doing and we'll keep coming. Exactly. Uh, More tater tots. (laughs) And more corn nuggets. That's what I want right now. Yes. Yes. Number 10, your favorite Auburn tradition. This can be sports or non-sports. It can be a personally obscure tradition you had at Auburn, but your favorite Auburn tradition. Um, Favorite Auburn tradition. Gosh. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lump two in on the same, on the same thing. I, I love Tiger Walk and I love the Eagle Flight, even though the Eagle Flight is relatively, people forget the Eagle Flight's relatively new. Um, but it feels like it's been flight, here forever. It feels like it's been here forever. It's rel- like, you know, in the history of Auburn football, it's relatively new. Um, but, uh, The Tiger Walk is just, you know, when you look at all these other schools that do it now and you realize that Auburn started that, like that's uniquely Auburn that everybody else has co-opted because it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think there are a lot of things that are kind of like that from Auburn. 
but um but i i just love the idea that um you know we're going to line the streets with 50,000 people and the entire team and the cheerleaders are going to walk right through the middle of them and get high-fived and and you know shake hands and get pumped up and um and, you know what's interesting when you talk to Auburn athlete you know you talk to Auburn football players they'll tell you that that's one of their favorite um aspects of game day is going through tiger walk and and how much that means to them um so yeah i i think i think tiger walk is is probably one of my favorites is uh you know i've always wondered what it'd be like to see it from their perspective because it, it's awesome just seeing it from yeah. a fan's perspective but i can't even imagine yeah. what it is like literally walking through a sea of orange and blue and yeah and and not one that parts very well either because they will get up and close just to hug you yeah. and, and slap five and everything. And, yeah, it's it's a group of people that want nothing more than for you to succeed at your highest, um, and that's a that's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Might be why we're so successful. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, we're rounding it out here. Question number eleven: Your favorite Auburn memory? You think of Auburn when you think of this memory? Ooh. Gosh, um, my favorite Auburn memory, I've got, Kyle, I've got so many. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is, uh, this is, uh, obscurely personal. Um, but the ones I love. there was, uh, there was a, a season that, uh, for baseball that, um, my job with the Auburn sports network was to assist with the home games um, and getting um, some of the technical stuff set up for the radio broadcast for Auburn home games for baseball. And, um, and so I got to sit in the broadcast booth at the baseball field with Rod Bramlett and Andy Burcham and just watching those two professionals who had been partners for so long they were such good friends um had such a deep respect for each other and love for each other and they were such pros i mean it was just seamless every single thing they did was just seamless um and to be on some small level allowed access into that little space that very um even though you're broadcasting on the radio inside that booth is a very intimate space and to be welcomed into that. And I, and I'll never forget, you know, Rod, you know, leaving to go down to get a hot dog and he brought me back an extra bag of chips because he knew I liked chips. And, um, and I felt like, uh, I felt like I had arrived. I felt like I was just, you know, um, I, I don't know that, that, will always be a very, very special memory to me um, to, to have been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be uh, uh, just a small little part um, of, that, of that kind of magical time uh, in Auburn broadcast history. And what an awesome memory for you to have now, especially after his passing. Uh, and yeah. obviously Andy is still here and he is just as much the professional and just as much the awesome person, but uh, having fact, dinner with him tomorrow night oh well look at you <laughs> he's he's my mentor he's uh he really is he's 
been my mentor um, in radio and and um, a very dear friend. I love very much. Well, we 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 add at him on Twitter all the time, telling him what a great job he's doing. Just tell him that we are very pleased with what he has done in such a very unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, Not a, a job I would have wanted. No, he's he is um, he has really risen. Uh, to the challenge, uh, not only professionally, but, but personally with, with, uh, all that Rod's passing, uh, Rod and Paula's passing has entailed. Um, and so just really proud of, um, Andy and his wife, Jan and how they've, uh, how they've handled the whole situation. Big shoes to fill, but if anybody was equipped, it was, it was Andy. So very happy. All right. Your final one, describe Auburn. In one word, there's nothing wrong with the obvious answer there, but yeah, family. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Family some... is the obvious. <laughs> family is the obvious answer. You know, the reason that family works so well is that um, family is not nirvana. Family is not heaven. Family is not perfect. Family is flawed and oftentimes broken and sometimes at odds with with each other but family is at the end of the day foundational and whole and um uh, unbreakable and i think that's and it's it's unique each family is unique and so you know i i I would choose that word um, because it is appropriate for um for who auburn is as a people and a culture and uh, you know i always ask people to explain if they use the family for that answer why and i think you summed that up uh beautifully there it's not a perfect union but it is a union that cannot be undone and should not be exactly and that's that's what makes us so special as uh, individuals but even more so uh, as a unit and that's why i maintain that we are not a place as auburn but we are a people Agreed. Thank you so much, Rich, for uh, spending some time with us here to tell about your Auburn roots. And I know we probably skipped over a ton of it, but I feel like we've gotten a great grasp of uh, who you are as an Auburn man. And I am thankful to have you as part of our Auburn family. Kyle, I appreciate it. Likewise, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you have something that you can use. We have plenty, and I'm sure that uh, Jeremy and Dee will very much enjoy the shout-outs that you gave them here as well. Uh, both good, lovely people. Lovely people. So, All right, War Eagle Rich, and thank you for joining us. War Eagle, Kyle.